the psalmist asked this question. If you want to grab a Bible and turn to Psalms 100 and chapter 16, we'll read Psalms 116, uh, beginning there in verse number 12. <clears throat> Psalms 116, in verse number 12, the psalmist says, What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take the cup of salvation. I will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thine handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. <clears throat> when we consider uh, the passage that we read, I wanted to go ahead through 17. I will offer thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and I will call upon the name of the Lord. <clears throat> what do I return to the Lord? All his benefits are upon me. When we talked about being thankful, we looked at the definition of that word thankful and that it meant to be conscious, to recognize that we are recipients of God's goodness, of all his blessings. Here the, the psalmist ponders this question, what should the response of thanksgiving be? What should my response be toward God because I'm the recipient of, of so many blessings? Certainly I don't I believe that the, the, the remainder of the study or the things that we list, talk about from this psalm are exhaustive response to that idea, but I think they're uh, worth our thought and our consideration for a while this afternoon. And as we talk about responding to all of the blessings that God has poured out upon us. <clears throat> when we think about all of these benefits uh, that God has poured out upon us, that goes from the most basic necessities of life. In Acts chapter 14 and verse number 17, the Scripture says, Nevertheless, He left not Himself without witness, in that He did good, and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And we made note this morning how that heartfelt gladness, how that that joy was a gift from God. It's something that comes from God. And that it's God that has filled our hearts. And He's done that in the most basic of ways by providing for the necessities of this life, our survival, our existence, and yet in abundance that we enjoy uh, in this land that we're blessed to live in. And we ought to recognize that we're recipients of those, that those most basic things are blessings from God. We can get pretty particular about how we like our blessings. I have a father-in-law that's a farmer. You know, we, he wants rain, but he wants it at certain times and not at other times. And sometimes we might get a little bit picky about our blessings and when we want them and how we want them, but we need to realize what are blessings and the, the many blessings and the, the numerous ways that our Heavenly Father blesses His life. And this question that the psalmist asks ought to be constantly on our mind. What should my response be for this blessing? This blessing in particular. And what should my response be for this blessing? The blessing of leadership. We talked about that this morning. What should your response be to that blessing from God of leadership? Civil, in the home, in the church, and His divine leadership itself. How should we respond to that? Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse number 13, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. No, 
when we summarize in the most direct way, Solomon comes and concludes, what should that response be? It should be the most, the highest level of respect, fear for God and His great power to stand in awe of Him, of one whose voice can create. And yet, He chooses to bless us in so many ways and to keep His commandments, to be obedient. That ought to be the response of all the blessings that He's poured out upon us. Our focus and the, uh, the center of our gratitude ought to be centered around the spiritual blessings that we enjoy. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And we ought to be most grateful for those. We can tend very much to be physically focused and lose track of what's most important, and that being the spiritual blessings. And we have access to all the spiritual blessings in Christ. We ought to be grateful and thankful for that and recognize all of the benefits that there are in Christ and that can be found nowhere else. And that's going to direct our response and it's going to guide the response of gratitude when we realize that there's the most important blessings, the most valuable of the blessings are in Christ and only in Christ. In Psalms chapter 4, we looked at verse 7 this morning. I want to look at the context around that passage and get a couple more verses. He says, There be many that say, Who will show us any good? Lord, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and wine increased. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. When we think about responding to all of God's blessings, is it too much to ask that we wholeheartedly trust God? What's your security blanket at night? Is it the deadbolt? Is it a certain firearm manufacturer? Is it a certain security system that you arm before you go to bed? Is it the local law enforcement? Or The psalmist said, I'm going to lay down and I'm going to sleep in peace and all of my trust is in the Lord. He's the only one that can make me dwell in safety. My security system can fail. They live by the sword, die by the sword. My response, I can be caught off guard in so many ways. But the Lord is all-powerful, and He can make me dwell in safety, and He can, can and ought to have the fullest level of my confidence. So much so that I can live a life that is not burdened down with anxiety, that I'm not a constant state of worry, but that I have trust in God. He deserves it. Trust is a just response to all of the blessings that God has given us. In Proverbs 3, verse number 26, the Lord shall be thy confidence. And He deserves our trust, and trust is the just response 
for all the blessings. He deserves our complete trust. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 8, the psalmist said, I'll take the cup of salvation. In Ephesians 2, verse number 8, he says, For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. When we talk about taking the cup of salvation, I did some studying on that phrase, and there was, there was a lot of different ideas and thoughts about that. One reference was made was the idea of taking this cup. It was a, uh, probably what we would refer to as some sort of a toast where you would literally raise a, a cup up and you would give thanks. Uh, they would give thanks to, to God for fruit of the vine, for his, for his provision of that. But they would raise up a cup and they would bless God. And when we think about the gift, the blessing of salvation, the nature of a gift is such as that it has to be received. Uh, many years back, I'll give Cole a hard time. I'll pick on him a little bit since he's here and he's handy. Uh, we were at Christmas gathering at my wife's grandmother's house. Many of you might have known Maudine. And she had bought uh, many of her great-grandsons some Christmas gifts. And they started from the youngest up to the oldest. And so these young, uh, I believe they were all at that point, male grandchildren. They began to open their toy. And it didn't take Cole long to figure out Everybody was getting the same thing. <laughs> and he, in his mind, he was a little bit big for what everybody was getting. A little John Deere flashlight that you push down. And the eyelids, the tractor had eyes, and he'd come up and light up. And he kind of grew increasingly disgusted as each grandson opened up the same gift, and his came around, and the box is the same size. And we'd had a little talk on the way, coincidentally, on the way up to Christmas about being grateful and being thankful and being appreciative. And so he opens his up, and of course it's a little John Deere tractor flashlight, and he tosses it over to the side. He pushed, pushed the button, and his didn't work like everybody else's. And so not only was he too big for this particular gift, his was broken, and he said, and it doesn't even work. And he rolled it over in disgust. And... I was trying to rein in my emotions and handle myself in a godly way, and I was struggling at that point. And the gift giver was gracious, and she, she kind of grinned, and, and she laughed. And, you know, Erica, my wife, was giving me the look like, you've already waited a full half second. <laughs> this should have already been dealt with. But, you know, you can reject a gift. You can. You can toss it to the side, you can count it of no value, and that tends to displease the gift giver. In this particular instance, it displeased mom and dad very much, and Cole got taken to the other end of the house, and we had a discussion and some other things, and uh, we, we came back and, and tried that again, but you can reject a gift and do that, and so the proper response to the gifts that God pours out upon us is to receive them, be grateful for them, and to actually take them. And so we, we need to do that with the, with the cup of salvation, and that starts with accepting uh, God's offer of salvation on God's terms. In Colossians 2, verse number 11, speaking of Christ, he says, In whom also you're circumcised with the circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. 
buried with Him in baptism, wherein also you're risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised Him from the dead, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath He quickened together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses. And the offer of salvation is extended by grace through faith. You can have faith in God's operation. You can believe that God will save you how and when He said that He would. You can trust Him. He deserves your confidence. And you can lay hold on salvation. And if you haven't done that, we would plead with you. We'd encourage you to do that. Take the cup of salvation. The other part of that concept of taking that cup of salvation, of raising that up and blessing God, was that we hold it up to the world around us. That we make known that great gift of salvation, that we hold it up, that we have joy in it, that our joy is evident to others so that they might ask us of a reason, of the reason of the hope that's in us and that we might be able to respond and, and hold up, if you will, take that cup of salvation and hold it up to the world and the joy that we take from it. The psalmist said, I will pay my vows. Keep your promises. We can trust God because none of His promises have failed. Because He's faithful. And our response to all the blessings that God pours out upon us is that we ought to imitate Him. And we ought to be individuals whose word means something. We ought to be individuals that are faithful and committed and dedicated. And that ought to be the response to all the blessings that God's given us. In Psalms 15, verse number 4, the question is asked at the beginning of this psalm, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? And we might phrase it this way, who's going to go to heaven? Who's going to live with God in eternity? And he goes through some things. And he says, in whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. Someone who gave his word on something and didn't say, well, you know what? This isn't what I thought it'd be, so I quit. This got hard, so I'm not going to follow through with that commitment that I made. Somebody that keeps their word. We have all these... Uh, Athletes that make these commitments and they sign these contracts, and I don't, I don't start to question why they even do that because those documents evidently mean nothing. Their words evidently mean nothing because they'll determine the next day that what they agreed on wasn't quite enough, and so they won't keep their end of the, the contract. We ought to be people of faithfulness that are committed and devoted and keep our word and keep our promises as a response to all of God's blessings. Well, to keep in perspective, I struggled a little bit when he jumped into precious in the sight of the Lord as the death of his saints. How did that fit into the list that he was going through here? And I, that was a little bit of a challenge for me, and I thought, well, how does that? But I think, in my mind at least, which is often wrong, <laughs> correct me if need be, but I think the concept here was that we keep things in their proper perspective as part of uh, our uh, response to the Lord and all of His blessings, that the, the most difficult of times and the hardest of times, that we keep things in perspective. 
In 1 Thessalonians 4, verse number 13, he says, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. That our souls ought to be anchored, and that even in the most difficult of times, that we ought to be able to keep things in perspective and have an eternal perspective. And to remember that the Lord doesn't view things the way that we view things. And so he makes this statement that precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of one of his saints because on the surface level to think of someone's death being precious seems very contradictory to us. But the Lord doesn't see things the way that we see things. And so we need to keep things in perspective and we need to have our perspective line up with our Heavenly Father's perspective as a part of the response for all of His blessings. In Revelation 21, verse number 5, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. He said, I'll make all things new. Sometimes you talk about this and and people will come up with a lot of questions. Well, what about? Well, what about? Well, what about? I'll I'll preempt those questions and say, "I, I don't know. I don't have all the answers, but I'll tell you what I do know on that thought. In Hebrews chapter 11, the scripture talks about Abraham. And it talks about his great faith. And it says, when he was called to go out, he went out, not knowing where he went. He didn't have all the answers, but he had confidence, he had trust, he had faith in God. And he went out. In Romans 4 and 20, speaking of Abraham, it says he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that what he promised he was able also to perform. God deserves our complete trust and confidence. That we can be fully persuaded in the promises that he's made. He said, I'll, I'll make all things new. And we ought to be able to keep things in perspective and to glorify God in, even in the most difficult times uh, that this life has to offer. The psalmist said, I am thy servant. I am thy servant. Prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel 33, verse number 31 said, And they come unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. You know, it's one thing to make the statement and say, God, I'm here to serve you. God, I'm here to serve you. And then go about day after day serving yourself. God knows the difference. What is your life about? As a response to all the blessings that God's poured out upon you and continues to pour out upon you day after day after day that you deserve not, that you earned not, your response ought to be, I will serve you and not myself. I won't spend my life chasing dollars, going after my covetousness, going after the toys and the desires of my heart. I will serve you. I will do your will. That's the proper response, the grateful, the thankful response for all of God's blessings. In 1 John 3, verse number 18, he says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Our Father in heaven doesn't want mere lip service. He wants life's 
of service and dedication and devotion? Are you a servant? Are you willing to serve? The psalmist said, I'll offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving. And we touched on this this morning, and I wanted to expound on it a little bit this afternoon. Many passages of Scripture where this phrase, this idea, this concept is, is repeated. And, and the idea of, of doing this, of verbalizing this, we talked about the ten lepers that were cleansed and the one that returned with a loud voice to glorify God. Notice some of these passages. First Chronicles 16, verse number 8. Give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the people. Give thanks to Him. Be thankful. Recognize the benefit that you received and be thankful for it. Express that thanks to God. In verse number 34, Give thanks unto the Lord for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. There's so many reasons to be thankful to God. Stop and give Him thanks. Don't be the 90 percenter that took the blessing and ran and never once took the time to turn around and pause and to say thank you. In Psalms 92 verse number 1, It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. And to sing praise unto thy name, O Most High. It's a good thing to do. It's a good use of your time. It ought to be part of your regular schedule to stop and to say thank you and to glorify God and to worship God and to bless His name for all that He's done for us. In Psalms 105, verse number 1, O give thanks unto the Lord, call upon His name, make known His deeds among the people. And so there's an addition to the giving of thanks, to making known His deeds among people, to spreading His fame abroad, if you will, to declaring to others all the great things that the Lord has done. Go out and make these things known. Take advantage of the opportunities that we're presented with. In Psalms 106, verse number 1, Praise ye the Lord, O give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. And over and over and over Passage of Scripture after passage of Scripture we could find that instruct us to be a thankful people. He said, I'll call upon the name of the Lord. You know, we can study that, that phrase for, for quite a while this afternoon. Many applications that we can make of that concept, of that idea. Some might apply it to prayer. You know, we see uh, the Lord's name invoked in so many aspects and so many processes uh, in the scripture. I had a, a partial list in my uh, written notes that fills up a, a page that makes statements like this. Acts chapter 4 verse number 2, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. That the actions that are done through Christ or in a sense calling upon the name of the Lord. They preach through Jesus, the resurrection from the dead. I thank God, Romans 1, verse number 8. I thank my God through Christ Jesus that we, in prayer, pray through Christ. We call on the name of the Lord in doing that. And so on and so forth, and passage of Scripture after passage that we could turn to and read when we talk about calling on the name of the Lord. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister or serve, let him do it 
as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That the response for all these blessings that God gives us ought to be to glorify His name. To see that He gets glory for that blessing and not try in some way to steal glory for ourselves, but to honor God with everything that He's blessed us with. If you grab a Bible and you turn to Micah chapter 6, in Micah 6, verse 6 through 8, the prophet asks the question, Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before Him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my flesh, my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He hath showed thee, O man, what is good and what is... And what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God? No, the same concept, the same ideas is, is presented by the prophet here. What should the response be? What does God want? He's, he's blessed me with all these things. He's poured out all these, these great things on me. Should, I, should it be about making all these burnt offerings and sacrifices to do justly? Do what's right. To fear God and keep His commandments. To do His will. The lesson that King Saul was given, and over and over we find in the Scripture, that the Lord prefers obedience to burn offering sacrifices. He wants us to be a people that seek His will to bring Him glory and honor. And so this afternoon, when we think about what shall I return to the Lord? What shall I render to the Lord, for all His blessings are upon me. I hope that will stir you up to thought, that you'll think about what the proper response to all that the Lord has blessed you with, that you'll take the cup of salvation, that you'll be a recipient of the gift of salvation, that you'll be baptized into Christ, that you'll rise to walk in newness of life, and that you'll be His servant that you'll serve Him all the days of your life, that you'll be the kind of individual that will keep your promises, that your word means something, that you won't serve Him in word only, but that you'll truly be a servant, that you won't spend your life going and chasing covetousness, but that you'll spend it serving the living God, that you'll trust Him, that you'll be able to lay down at night and sleep in peace, that you'll be able to ha have the kind of steady consistency that you need to have through life because you trust God. That you don't stagger at His promises through unbelief. That you will respond in the ways that we've talked about and we've read and we've studied from God's Word this afternoon. I hope that that will be the response of all the blessings that God has poured out upon.